Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Who is this Parzival, and how the hell is he winning? Find him. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. The Oasis, the world's most important economic resource. It's nothing less than a war for control of the future. Welcome to the Rebellion, Wade. Like many of you, I only came here to escape. But I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? Help us save the Oasis. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another fan critical podcast. And today we're going to be covering Ready Player One. Woo! Woo! Well, let's just say we're going to have some mixed reviews for you, but you know, that's what we're here for to argue amongst ourselves. I just want to give a quick spoiler warning. Spoiler warning! Uh, We will be discussing everything about the film Ready Player One, and we will be bringing in some book knowledge from our very own Emma. Yeah! Um, so, as you just heard, Emma is here, and I'm also joined by John. Hello. And finally, back on the podcast, joining us with a very good stream from across the world, Gaz. What's up, everybody? Getting <laughs> oh, love that. Honestly, let me host one day. We'll let you host one day when uh, the bandwidth in Australia improves, mate. Unfortunately, Ooh. I don't really think it could cut uh, dialing into the Oasis and you being clan leader at the moment. Ooh, you know, so... Okay, yeah. Getting very meta all of a sudden. Well done. Yeah. So, um, guys, we all went to see it uh, literally last week. Um, and so we have some different attachments to the film. For example, Emma has read the book, so she's going to come at it from that aspect. Whereas myself, John and Gaz have not read the books. Um <laughs> Because we're lazy. No, not because we're lazy. There's no pictures. They are lazy. There's no pictures. And there aren't any pictures either, so... Yeah, um, so I just want to get initial thoughts on what you thought about the film. I mean, we've been hyping it up for quite a while because it, it, you know, it draws on so many things that we all love. So I actually, I, I have just got back in from watching it. Like, I went out this evening to oh, watch sweet. it. Oh, nice. I had an interesting viewing experience, actually. So it was um, busy cinema, as you might guess, uh, and... I got to the, uh, this is this is a long story, but it's worth it because basically we've already uh, uh, all right, I'll cut to the chase. I'll cut to the chase. yeah, I watched it next to I would guess an eleven year old um Chinese boy who was on his own <laughs> and Racism he born. couldn't stop no, 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 he was Chinese. I spoke to him, and he couldn't stop farting and burping and getting up to go to the toilet throughout the film. And he constantly kept asking me questions um, throughout the film because English wasn't his first language. So he was like, he said, why are they looking for Easter eggs? 
and he didn't get it because obviously like Easter egg is kind of a culturally culturally loaded <laughs> term. Um, and then, but but to his credit, he was getting all the references, and he kept like going, "Oh, they're from Overwatch. These are the f- characters from Overwatch." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, shh, shush, shush." Oh, it's, He's like, oh, it's Halo! It's Halo! And um, <laughs> but the point that he got the most excited was. Um, just then, obviously, after our trip to Japan, we we know all about this. But when the Gundam robot, oh came, yeah, Gundam! Oh my god, he lost his shit. He was like jumping around, screaming, um, "It's a Gundam robot!" Um, loved it. So I think to to summarize, um, my personal connection to the film was maybe less enthusiastic than his. However, I think it delivers if it's. Getting a kid like that to have a reaction like that, then it's doing its job, isn't it? Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think this film definitely tailors towards a. It tailors towards both audiences, but as Spielberg is so good at doing, it's like a fun family blockbuster that will appeal to both the adults, the sort of. It appears to all age ranges, in my opinion. I mean, so that's an interesting little experience you had there, Gaz. And, you know, I would be going fucking mental if that was going on next to me. No offence, I just I just hate people interrupting films. Oh, quiet well, kind you, of know, was, you, know, you know how, like, in a cinema you often get people who are, like, going into a bag of crisps all the time or, like, eating popcorn Drives and me that noise? He wasn't doing that, but for some reason he was really attached to his receipt for his bottle of Coke and he just kept playing with <laughs> <the receipt. laughs> You're not right. even getting any enjoyment out of that, mate. Put Can we away. just use this whole podcast to talk about this kid and his experience in Ready Player well, One? Because this is great. Um, I'm going to throw it to Emma next, uh, the book reader, the one with the intel before going into the film. Em, thoughts on it? So when I first came out of the cinema last week, I was furious, I've got to admit. Um, I've been really looking forward to seeing this for months since I first read the book, Tale of 2017. And, you know, Ernest Klein did a fantastic job of writing this. It's a spectacular novel. Um, and I've been really excited about it. Came out of the movie and thought, what the fuck are you doing? Um, but I've, I've <laughs> calmed just down. just walking past. I've calmed down a little bit now. Um, and I can appreciate it for what it is. Um, but for me... It's not the Ready Player One I wanted to see on screen. Mm. However, um, I understand that what Spielberg's done with it is, you know, exactly as you just said, and he's tailored it for, you know, 11-year-old Chinese boys in Australia uh, to really enjoy. <laughs> and a, a whole just a very specific fun. audience. Um, and, you know, actually the book itself is is pretty dark. A lot of it is is quite dark. And, it you know, there are some things that you need to shorten down to make it better for screen. Um, it was okay, but it wasn't what I wanted. Okay, well, Em, I think that's a lot. That's a very fair response because obviously everyone is always very attached to the source material. Whatever you know, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, all these things. People always criticise certain changes that are made in you know turning it into something that you know is for the wider audience. Um, I'm going to read the book after this now, and I, and I then would I, urge all of you to read the book. Yeah. It is fantastic. There's no pictures though. Yeah, that's a good to... point. I'll I'll draw you some. Yay! Yes. Um, John, I know your love of uh, picture books is is well known, but um, what did you think about the film? I, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I had no expectations going in. I mean, uh, I guess uh, if I was uh, if I if I'd read the source material, then yeah, I I might have been a bit like. What's going on here? Blah 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 blah. Um, but for what it was, uh, I enjoyed it. I I, uh, I I wouldn't say it's something that I'd watch again and again. Um, I could see how some people would be like, eh. 
Um, my only disappointment is I expected to watch something that was like, uh, I guess, like groundbreaking in a way. Uh, I don't think it was. Um, and mm. if uh, it, it to me, it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a Spielberg film. It didn't, it didn't oh, really? feel like it didn't feel magical. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, um, and, but but having said that, like if you look at because uh, I saw a review and and someone said, oh. This is the best movie Spielberg's done in ten years. No, no way. And then you go, well, you can't really compare Ready Player One and Lincoln. They're no. very different. I mean, you can't. Um, get, I mean, the post is awful. Yeah, the post is dreadful. So you know, I will happily say is Ready, that Ready Player One. Yeah. Yep. Fucking hell. Yes. Um, Ready Player One is better than the post. It didn't feel like a magical Spielberg film, but that's not to say that I don't have any real criticisms other than that. How about you, Lenny? I just think uh, it was a silly, fun, fun film, and and if you're a video game, double fun, double fun. If you're a video game nerd and a super, you know, and like we have this podcast and we talk about all things sort of geeky and eighties pop culture and all this sort of stuff, just just seeing some of the references for me um, in this film were just incredible. It's like ah, uh, but see, I have a complaint about that. Do you actually? So for me, I loved the the thing that takes this film to a new level for me was all the references. I thought going in there was going to be, I don't know, thirty or forty references. There's over a hundred and seventy five references yeah, but, in this film, and uh, okay. there's still ones being discovered as we speak right now. People who yeah, are watching but this that, film, that to me is annoying. Yeah, because it's. Okay, look, I, I understand the the overarching theme of, of the film is that uh, Easter eggs and, yeah. you know, it, it shouldn't be easy to find. But afterwards, there were, like, people talking about, like, Lord of the Rings and, and stuff like that. And I was like, what? They, what? they were in it, were they? Well. So, like, I... so you just, you, there's too much in it. So can I make a comment from a, a book perspective here on the kind of Easter egg references within the film? Go for it. Um, so Spielberg has obviously allegedly updated this for a modern audience. Yeah. Yeah. So the original book uh, was released in, what, 2011, I think? Mm. Um, and all of the references were almost pure 80s. That yeah. was it. Yeah, nothing, that, nothing yeah. post-80s. But as much as there were a few <clears throat> minor kind of Easter eggs in the book itself, all of the references to 80s pop culture were immersive. So like the Shining yeah. element, which we're not going to spoil, don't worry. No, yeah. um, but they were a part of the storyline and a part of the hunt. Yeah. So it wasn't just, oh, let's just throw in random Godzilla for no reason. And, oh, it's King Kong. And who, what the hell, Lord of the Rings? Yeah. It, it was it was an immersive part of the story. Yeah. Which and, and I do think that too many Easter eggs kind of dulled it a bit. Oh, actually... And King Kong turned up. The the Chinese kid next to me turned around. It's Donkey Kong! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The interesting thing, I mean, we'll we'll stick on the Easter egg theme in a a second and references, but, you know, as a concept of of the book and of the film... Um, as someone who owns like a virtual reality headset, um, <laughs> I thought you owns a virtual reality. No, are we? Right. Are we in virtual reality? We then? could be. I might be in virtual reality right now. This is the worst game ever. Actually, what the? F- <laughs> who's buying this game? Um, but in all seriousness, like this technology isn't too far away. I'm just being completely honest. I reckon in about twenty years' time. Everyone will have a VR headset. Maybe yeah. even 10 years' time, everyone will have a VR headset. Yeah. The options and the abilities of things that you can do with it are endless. Be it shopping, <laughs> shopping, you know. I'm Sex. not. I'm a salesperson for the Oasis, but I'm telling you right now, we're not far away from that. So that was really interesting to see 
a potential near future. I don't think the dystopian world in which they live in is going to be the same, but I do see the technology being accessible to a level similar to what we're seeing here. Yeah. Um, okay, but uh, is there not an issue there? That okay, so the source material, 2011, it might have seemed a little bit further away, like the yeah. whole headset thing. Yeah. We're obviously in 2018, and and VR is pretty accessible if you want it. Very. Like, like from about what 50 quid, you can get like a Samsung start, gear. Sam, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Samsung, send us some free stuff. Um, but what I'm saying is that uh, in uh, when's it set? 2040... For, 2045. 2045. 2045. Um, I think it, they'll be further along than just putting a headset on. Oh, agreed. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be like contact lenses or you just plug your brain into something and bang, you're there. Like, yeah, you don't maybe. need to... Like the Omni uh, treadmill that he has. They exist today. That exists now. That exists right so, now. But for it, instance, that, so, that feels a little bit dated. In the in the book, it's not an omni treadmill. It's just an exercise bike hooked up to give him power. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But so, so it's like, but actually, like all of it is completely accessible now, I and mean, it yeah. wasn't any further forward. I think in the novel seven years ago than it is now. Yeah. So, but I guess if you're going right. to, that's just, but that's about making it more accessible, isn't it? Like he's obviously he, he's he's living in pretty much abject poverty and yet has access to all this stuff. We don't have that right now. Like, apart from Len, obviously, who, I don't know if you heard, but he's somebody who does own a a virtual reality headset. So, you know, he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be one of the poorest of the poor of America, and he's got all of this high-tech stuff, and everybody has all this stuff. So I think that's the difference. It's It's not going, hey, look, this is some new technology that might exist. It's going, this is new tech, this is technology that exists, but it will be accessible yeah. to everybody in 25 years. I was going to say, before we start talking about the, the plot and the actual film itself in a bit more detail, can I just throw in a bit of grounding for some of what I'm going to say in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But linking on to what Gareth has <laughs> okay. just said. This, so... is, this is the entertaining bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, if you can just give me 25 minutes to monologue. Um, no, but leading on from what Gareth said there, so to give you an idea of how the book itself starts off, the beginning is very different to the film. Everybody has access to the Oasis, but it is where they they are they go to school in the Oasis, they run their businesses in Oasis, everything is run through the Oasis. Um, and it doesn't kickstart quite the same way. There is a long slog <clears throat> of struggle. Um, and as much as, yeah, we see Wade in kind of abject poverty, as we talked about it, it's 10 times worse in the book. Um, but I think for, for me, the thing you don't really get in the film, which is what, irritated me a little bit is that you don't understand that everybody's life is the oasis you do not have a life outside of it mm. you are constantly hooked in yeah mm. well that's that is interesting and and that's where i think i think one of the negatives of the film is that it didn't really bring around the issue of this addictive technology i mean it sort of did in a sort of soft way at the end by saying you know halliday's greatest regrets are you know not reality not taking enough you know rea- taking reality in enough and not like kissing the girl going on a date with the girl all of these things yeah. um and it sort of touches on it but i think there's a much more interesting thing which if the book does that and it talks about how this is an addictive piece of technology and you need to get out there and experience the real world well, it's that not is even, a stronger it's not even so much that it's addictive it's that you cannot live a life without being in a part of the oasis so everybody has access to it but not mm. everybody has like jacked up haptic suits and all of that kind of yeah, shit yeah, yeah. Mm. 
So it is addictive in that you have to live your life through it, but also yeah. it's a necessary, it's just part of society. Yeah. I, I thought uh... that was interesting to just lay out before we talk about it. So let's move on to the plot, because uh, otherwise we'll just sit here <laughs> talking forever about <laughs> things that aren't relevant. We're like a lost reference in the film. Um, okay, so the plot Ooh. basically centres around Wade Watts and pretty much you know everyone trying to find this Easter egg that the... Uh, that the creator, James Halliday, has left behind um, in his games. Now, guys, just before we go on any further, the concept of an Easter egg has obviously been around for years and years and years. I want to see if you guys have any personal experiences of finding Easter eggs in games and what you remember to be your first Easter egg that you found in a computer game. Well, when I was four, my mum did an Easter egg hunt and I found one in the garden. Unbelievable. That's not the That's same, same. Though, is it? Conquer's Bad Fur Day had, uh, on the N64... Had millions of Easter eggs. Um, yeah, like good game. There was. Do you know what? I'm just remembering one of them was terrifying. Actually, it was um, uh, a load of handprints on a wall, meant to look like uh, Blair Witch Project. That was a scary one. Scary Easter egg. It's a difficult one because I'm obviously I'm a little bit older. Uh, yeah. Than you. Lot. You were playing adventure. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, on the Atari. That brought it all back. <laughs> Um, with his with his first with his first kid, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon uh, probably Super Mario Brothers. Oh yeah, the bit where you jump up uh, and you run run along run the o- top of the screen and beat then the you... level by running on top of it. So the plot is to find the Easter egg, guys. The Easter egg and Wade, as we said, lives in poverty or abject poverty, or you know. Poverty. But they're these guys called the Gunters. Is that the same in the book? Emma, they called Gunters, Easter Egg Hunters? Yep, so they're all called Gunters. Um, anyone who is Easter Egg Hunting is a Gunter. Yes, yes it is as ridiculous in the book as it is in the show. Yeah, and I, makes me giggle every time. Yeah, I mean, Gunter. Gunt. Gunt absolutely, yeah, Gunts, exactly mate. Um, and basically, no one has been able to figure out how to get... There's three keys, and no one has been able to figure out how to even get the first key. But the way that people get information to find this Easter Eggs is the creator himself has installed a library dedicated to his life within the oasis where people can go there access his memories and try and decipher from key moments in his life clues to revealing different parts of the easter egg to reveal these different keys which i think is a very interesting concept yeah um, i really like this bit actually yeah and it shows that the person that he basically whoever finds the easter egg becomes the owner of the oasis which is in excess of 500 trillion dollars or something silly like that um and I think it's a really interesting way to hand over your baby, you know, when you die, your virtual reality baby, um, and know that the person who finds it hopefully will have understood you so well that they will, you know, treat it well, raise it nice and right. You know, I'm keeping the baby analogy going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really interesting concept. I mean, did you like that that aspect of it? I really liked the Halliday archives. <clears throat> in this I thought it was a really good addition and change that Spielberg made to the book so in the book it's just about obsessively researching shit and having like autobiographies and biographies about mm. Halliday I really liked the constructs of the archives I thought it was really cool I thought it looked wicked and it was a really nice visual way to to go back and, and look at the things that were important for the Easter egg hunt mm. um, the race on the other hand no, that was awesome. No, the race the race is wicked. And so to, to find the first key, uh, they have to participate in the race, uh, the race which no one has been able to beat. Um, and this is where we join, this is where the story really sort of kicks off in a way. Uh, Gaz, your thoughts on the race 
the amount of references that you saw in there uh, and the CGI in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it looked amazing. But I guess that is probably a bit of a problem because I was like, sorry, not the fact that it looked amazing. That was excellent. But the fact that there were so many references in that race, I was just constantly like, oh, what can I see? What other things can I see? And maybe taking my eye off actually enjoying the the action of the race. Um but yeah, I mean it was it was it was cool. Like some cool stuff happened and um good to see Donkey Kong as my friend next to me claimed. Um he was he was wicked. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, I would have missed so many of the references and it annoys me a bit. I am um, <laughs> so I thought it was it was pretty cool. Um, the race, but that was the first thing that put me kind of on the back foot. You're, you're annoyed because the race doesn't happen in the book. It's no, no, it's not about different. that. Like, I, I don't mind them changing the the challenges. That's not really what bothers me about it. Mm. And this is kind of what I picked up earlier, put, picked up on earlier rather. Um, is that right? Wade sort of finds it by accident. Like, ultimate uh, Parzival in the film <clears throat> finds the first like gateway to the key by accident mm. and he's the only one he's found it mm. and it's only after him and then artemis pass through this first kind of portal to get the first key that everyone jumps back on the bandwagon yeah because yeah. people in it is stated in the <clears throat> film that that it's been going on for years people have kind of given up and now it's only just like you know a handful of people still these gunters who are still trying to do it because but it isn't in the film, I mean, there's still there's still like 30, 40, 50 of them who yeah. are still taking part in this race. But whereas... if you think about that's a global thing. I mean, you know, I play Fortnite every night and there's millions of people just playing that game every single yeah. day. I yeah. mean, you know, the fact that there's still only a handful of people globally playing this Easter egg hunt is insane. Mm. Yeah, it is. But in the book, it's even more insane because it's basically only possible. You know, we have the race, but during this, you know, whole sequence of events, we also understand that there is a evil organization ioi who are trying to solve the easter egg hunt so that they can take over the oasis uh, and basically dominate the virtual reality market which is obviously massive as we mm. said everyone seems to have it not only that we uh it's the leader of this is uh, ben mendelson who played he's always great he plays yeah. a great evil character he was great in rogue one as you know the sort of central main bad guy in that yeah. he's great in this as well and it's interesting to know that if they did get control of the Oasis, what they actually want to do to it is actually hilarious because it's kind of what happens today in, in the real world of the internet and probably soon to be virtual reality as well, is advertisement space. Yeah. It, it was hilarious to see that their grand plan is if they get control of the Oasis is to basically, they said, we can we can allocate up to 75% of our users like visual... 80%. Yeah, of a of a visual sort of screen with advertiser space before they have an epileptic fit. <laughs> I was like, that is. I think, wasn't it uh, like a um, like an epileptic fit that you'll die from? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like a non survivable yeah. epileptic fit, which is just like hilarious. It was hilarious. Not, not that, but I mean the, the idea. No, that just that's the what just the do. idea of it and how yeah. sort of on the nose it is with the way advertising is going. Overegging it a bit. Overegging it a bit. Jesus but, but That's the whole point of the evil organisation, you know, that we just mentioned. And this IOI organisation itself also runs sort of, we're led to believe, slave camps, essentially, where loyalty booths or loyalty centres, yeah, which yeah. force the people who've had to spend all of their coin or digital currency 
purchasing artifacts or purchasing um, different things. It forces them to uh, pay them back by literally being in a little cubed room, having to work for them in digital space, virtual space, um, which is also a very good thing that I really felt they should have made more of in the film. I thought that was fascinating. Mm. Um, I love that sort of... Is that that bad? Well, the Whoa. loyalty centres, and you see it in the film and in the book, um, basically, once you're in, you're never out, you'll die there. Mm. So, and, and that's so, like yeah. a work, work camp. camp. It's a yeah, work it camp. It's, work it's, a, camp. it's a gulag. It's like, you know, it's just horrendous. Obviously, the idea that uh, they're putting people in a position where they're they're so uh, materialistic or so addicted exactly, to the Oasis yeah. that they would run up that sort of debt. Uh, yeah, okay, I buy into that. Yeah. But, hey, look, you know... If you're going to run it up, pay it off in one of our loyalty booths. Yeah, well, we get the impression that the IOI are bad. They are bad people. They guys. are bad. Yeah, they are they... advertising. I no, mean... no, well, and the lo- I think the loyalty centre <laughs> loyal thing is mean, a bit and worse. And they do kill some people. John, and they John actually would actively kill people. Wouldn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jo- I think John would be working for IOI. I think he'd get himself oh, a cushy position in IOI. Basically, Parsifal discovers. Uh, that going through the Halliday archives, as we just mentioned earlier, discovers that going backwards is the only way to uh, win the race, um, which I love this image of the DeLorean just reversing on the start line, you know, hitting 88 in reverse or whatever, and going just to this amazing reveal of going under the level um, and just basically skipping the whole race, which is a very glitchy thing to do in games. A load of people do it in so many games like COD, it's the, like John was talking about going above the level. Going above the yeah, level, yeah, yeah. going outside the bounds of the level to take an advantage. It is such a thing in gaming, and it was amazing to see him just this wonder of him just literally underneath the race, seeing yeah. the T Rex go through, seeing um, no one gets past Kong, and he just goes straight underneath him to the gates. I was loving that. I Kong like, was fuming. Kong was he was genuinely fuming. He was fuming. Like he's he's had a hell of a streak over yeah. the years. Yeah. Five um, years he's had. Five years was it? Yeah, he's not been beaten in five oh, years. Raging. He, he must be. Furious. He must be raging because because it is. You know, when you're playing these Lose games, your record like that. When you're playing these games like COD or PUBG or whatever, and you're getting killed, and the guy is not even visible, you're. <laughs> I'm. I'm absolutely raging. Yeah. So I can understand Kong there. Yeah. Fuming, I, mate. I've got to say, I I like the the reversing and cheating the level thing. I thought I thought it was really yeah really good yeah and um. And actually, and I and I get why they've updated so much of, or why Spielberg Spielberg, Spielberg has decided to update so much of it because mm. all of the the levels in the book are played on arcade games yes. and then role played through eighties um, movies. Yeah, and, um, I, and, so, and actually, this works. It works for a modern audience. I it, get that. It works completely for a modern audience. Just that little reference of going under the level, but also the race itself. How you know realistic games are becoming these days. You know the graphics in the film and in the Oasis aren't too dissimilar from the graphics that we would actually play like Gran Turismo yeah. on today or any of those sorts of racing games. Um, so you're completely right about updating it. Uh, but Parsifal, get, Parsifal gets the key, the first key, and he gets 100,000 big ones, 100,000 smackaroonies. <laughs> 130,000, doesn't he? Oh, is it 130,000? 130,000 smackaroonies. Um, and, you know, along the way, he finds a, a new teammate in Artemis, who is essentially, I would say at times... Probably the joint main character of this film, if not the main character of this film. I don't know. It's hard for me between Parsifal and Artemis. I think Artemis is a far stronger sort of resolved character in this film. The, the film is about. But she's not the main Parsifal. character. Well, I like um, the fact they've given a sort of a yeah. female lead a prominent role in this film, and she's obviously 
the better gamer, it seems, but it's that Parsifal knows more about Halliday. That seems to be the sort of they're way good, they're playing it. They're a good team, but all of the high five are a, are a good team. And and that's a good way to mention the rest of the high five, Em. Uh, what did everyone else think about the rest of the high five gang? Um, well, I have a problem here. You've got a problem, oh. mate. That doesn't sound like you, sorry. I know, but... So, at what point in the film... Yeah. Are you gonna, I, do they reference themselves I agree, as I agree. high five? Oh, yeah, wow, that's they a good don't. point. Yeah. That's a book reference? Not until because I don't even think it's a book end. reference. They say it at the end. They it's do very say it at, at the end. end. It's like the blah, 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 and the high five. I was like, whoa, what? Obviously, in the, in the film, it comes up, obviously, that he says it at the end, but it comes up because people are holding up signs saying high five. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> oh, if they come up with that name for them. And then he's using that name as well. Like, we're, we're like... This, this film had so much um, like exposition constantly throughout it, but at no point did they decide to go, we decided to call ourselves High Five. Like They didn't tell us that bit. So, so it was just a bizarre I, addition at the end. I think I'm right in saying that in the book, they're referred to by other people as the High Five, like the top five, because yep. they are the top five. Yeah. That's why they're referred to as that. And it, yeah, actually, you're right. They didn't explain it at any point. I might even be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're called the High Five. Yeah, well, they, they don't even remember. They make a big point of it throughout the uh, throughout the film that they don't clan. You know, I don't clan. You know, so you have you've got Parsifal, you've got H, you've got uh, Show, or Shoto, or in Shoto the in the book. Yes, you got Daito, and then you've got Artemis. So they are essentially our high five, yeah, which is never mentioned. Bizarre. Um, so we've got all of those characters. I thought they were great. I thought they were a great little team. I thought they were all right. I, I quite liked the balance of the group. Yeah. Um, how many of of you guessed that uh, H or how many of you guessed that that was uh, a woman? A woman. Yeah. I I pretty much as soon as they started playing around with the idea of their clan um, and the fact that how they'd they they they'd say quite early on that they'd never met each other in real life. They'd only ever met each other in the Oasis. Yeah. I love that idea as well. By the way, just to go on the fact that yeah. playing games and meeting people. You know, I've had loads of gaming experiences where I've met people who I play like Destiny with on PlayStation. You've I've never met, met someone. I've never met, I've, I've met them online completely. And I've met a clan, my Destiny clan online. And I like that, that you've never met these people. And I've, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, I would never, ever meet someone face to face that I'd had a I chat have. with online. Oh, would you not? No, I'd never do that. I've not met them in person. I'm saying so, that. I've met them I, me. I used to date a guy who played World of Warcraft. What yeah. a loser! Wow. I also used to play. And about 10 years ago, we went to Glasgow to meet his like best mate from World of Warcraft face to face. Love that. I absolutely love that. He was great. I'm not My a ex, fan on the other hand, no, not I think so great. I think that's great. Um, <laughs> um, no, I, I think, so from a <clears throat> from a book perspective, I obviously knew this was going to happen. They they cast them spectacularly well. They were all brilliant. From Aside from Show, who's Shoto in the books, slightly different. Actually, personality-wise, fantastic. My only, well, actually, no. <clears throat> My only gripe would be that in the book, they meet each other a lot further along the quest oh, in a different way. No, no, no. I mean, in, in t- even in inside the Oasis, oh, right, okay. they are not a clan. Yeah. Really, until right at the end of of the um, of the book, but they meet each other a lot further along. So, mm. uh, Parzival and H have been Betty mates for ages. Then they sort of get matey with Artemis, and she fucks off after after Parzival asks her out, and then she blocks him. Hilarious. Oh, and then that's uh, a murder. That is. Bitch. Daito, 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 and Shoto or Show in in the film then turn up a bit later on. But otherwise, they were cast 
like phenomenally, really mm. good. Yeah, really like what, them as a game. What do you think, Gaz? Yeah, no, they were really cool. I, I did guess that... <laughs> it's um, good, that, or you've really added something. Cheers. Um, I think the Helen, the H is Helen reveal <clears throat> was a little bit obvious. Like, I think I even recognised her voice because she's in um, uh, Master of None. Oh, yeah, she's great um, in that. Yeah, she's really good. And obviously they distort it a bit so that you're kind of thrown off the scent, but you can still you can still tell it's her. Yeah, but that that um, almost immediately you're like, well, this this is going to be someone that you don't expect because she's like the only character that has a distorted voice. Yeah, and it, like I hate her voice actually, and I a mean, really inhuman, really inhuman um, physique. Yeah, well, uh, yes. <laughs> I couldn't think yeah. of the word I was looking for. Avatar. Avatar, indeed. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, inhuman physique, and also she's like a big, massive orc. So <laughs> that's pretty inhuman. Yeah. In yeah. the um, in the book, uh, H throws a massive fucking paddy after Parzival gets really obsessed with Artemis. No, she fancies him, obviously. No, but no, she doesn't. She doesn't. It's not like that. No, I mean, they I do. We... They do have sex at the end of the book, but Who oh, do? spoiler! Oh Are my you? god, knees. No, no one has sex. It's fine. They all it's have sex. Book. Oh that's my why god! The high five. Uh, not in a Spielberg movie, they wouldn't be. Yeah, Unbelievable. No Spielberg joins in. That's oh his, uh, my oh, god! Right. That's Spielberg's major change. There's no yeah. high five orgy. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Ruin the film for me. Uh, well, that's what you go see it for. Does it as himself, or does he have like an avatar? And is his avatar ET? He's obviously oh my himself. God. Spielberg comes in wearing a an ET onesie. But ET is there. But the finger is, uh, is oh, cut no. out at the bottom. Come on, mate! And it's just Spielberg's cock instead. That is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Does it glow as well? Yeah, it, yeah. Oh my god! It's always pointing. So moving on from Spielberg orgies and all of that um, to the second key. Um, <laughs> um, the second key, uh, which uh, is where the film really goes from a uh, three blueberry. And just for anyone who's just listening to us for the first time, we rate everything out of five blueberries individually. We rate them. I thought at this no point, halves. the film was yeah, no halves. The film was a three blueberry, but just this, this next section of the film really took it to a new level for me. Took it up to that four blueberry life, you know? Um, and that is of course the shining. Uh, the use of the shining in this film was so unexpected so unexpected. So good. Because firstly, I'm sitting there in the cinema thinking, this is a family film. Like, what what part, What I, in my wildest dreams did I think <laughs> that this was going to come up? We're not still talking about the Spielberg orgy. No, I know. I know. But I, I, I was like, what is this? This is amazing. The Overlook Hotel. We're walking through it. Mm. Do you know what? I've got. This is nothing. This is not a part of the book at all. The Shining is never mentioned. This is the best part of this film for me. Oh, it's yeah. just absolutely spectacular. It's, it's de- hilarious. It's hilarious. It's delicious. It's just. It, I, I just was beaming from ear to ear seeing this. Um, so it's the, also really scary. Yes. Yeah. So the second, the second key <clears throat> is hidden within. Um, one of the films that James Halliday uh, watched on the day, they figure out by going through his memories that it was a film that he watched that week or he went on a date with uh, Kira, I think her name is. Um, it is. Uh, he went on a date with Kira. And uh, it's one of the films that they went to see at the cinema and they're trying to figure out what film it was and they, they, they end up going on The Shining. And then I was like, okay, cool. Um, I did not know we were going to be going into The Shining. They walk up to the typewriter and this is a lovely little thing, a lovely little thing. So you've got the all work and no play makes Jack as old boy. And that's the timer. 
that 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 like pieces of paper flying off like it's just it's just so good yeah that is brilliant so one of the things you don't see in the film that you get in the book is that <laughs> if you fail one of the quests to either get through a portal or get a key it it resets every 24 hours like at midnight so you can go back and retry, and retry another and good gaming mechanism um but i really like this timer thing in in the shining uh world that we entered and i thought it was so well done just uh, and also with h having never seen the shining that's the thing like, oh Girls, where are you going? That's, no! the, that's the funny thing Do about it. Do you have to have seen The Shining to well not approach two little weird twin girls? No, I have to say, well, is maybe, he doing? What maybe is he doing? Twenty forty-five. You don't. I mean, <laughs> what he's saying that people just approach two little girls all the time. <laughs> Twins are terrifying. Twins are terrifying. We know that. Everybody should know that. As like instinctively, all twins are terrifying. I have. I have seen The Shining, obviously. It's probably my favourite horror film um, ever. Um, but the 11-year-old Chinese kid next to me, I don't think had seen it. When those two when, when those two girls came up on screen, he went, oh, no, this is a scary film. <laughs> <laughs> he knew immediately, instinctively. He knew, don't go near him, H. Get back. The, the use of The Shining here, just when H walks around the corner, as he said, sees the two little girls and he's not seen The Shining. And probably a lot of the family audience, you know, let's be honest, there's probably quite a few, there's a lot of kids in the cinema as well where I was seeing it, Gaz. And they have, probably haven't seen The Shining. Oh, bloody hope not. You know, yeah, exactly. So I can see the, the H's sort of reaction here, but just seeing the two girls and they're like, where's H gone? And then he goes around, he goes around the corner and he goes, he goes up to the elevator and he presses the button. Don't press the button. <laughs> My favourite bit was in the room with um, when he was like, oh, hello, sexy naked lady. Room 237. Oh, my God. And he just and like bouncing around in this stupid avatar, like about seven foot tall, just absolutely terrified, looking well, like he's on the verge of chi. He is on the verge of tears. That was so Fucking funny. Because in room 237, as we know, like same as what happens to uh, Jack Nicholson's character in, in The Shining. Like it was just funny seeing this like so hot good. woman get out the tub and then H at this point we didn't know H is a woman at this point we don't know her sexual preferences either but whatever we do now. well we do now She's and a... she was like I'm just going to go with it I'm just going to go with it <laughs> and I was like oh that's okay. a bad idea that is a very bad idea um, and just the use of the shining to, uh, for this second key was excellent so um, second key in the in the book yep uh, arcade game as always Zork I believe, from the article I'm checking this on. Yeah. Um, but then Parzival has to um, pass the Blade Runner replicant test in order to achieve the Jade Key. I mean, that is delicious as well. Which is absolutely delicious. Um, I'm a bit disappointed they didn't put that in. I mean, yeah, but I could see thematically how the replicant test... Blade Runner is such a cult film still, mm. even though it's regarded as a, as a brilliant, brilliant film. Um, it's still a cult film, whereas The Shining is generally regarded as one of the greatest horror films of all time. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't get the rights to Blade Runner because of 2049. Maybe they couldn't get the rights. Yeah, I mean, the, the rights issue is a big deal. So Spielberg didn't want to use anything from any of his movies. Um, the only thing that they oh. do use, the or at least they convinced him to use, the T-Rex wasn't one. But I'm assuming that they let that go because T-Rexes have been in fucking shitloads of stuff. Yeah. It's just a dinosaur. Um, I mean, it does look like... It looks exactly like the Jurassic Park. Yeah, but I mean, it should do anyway because, you know, they're not going to look drastically different. It's a T-Rex, for fuck's sakes. Um, No, the only thing they managed to convince him to put in was the DeLorean. 
Yeah. Because he wasn't a director. He yeah. was uh, executive, executive producer. producer. Yeah. So that, that's the only thing he let go. But anything else that he was involved in, in the 80s that could have been in the film, uh, he was like, I'm not using it. That actually makes a huge amount of sense now. Yeah. And I think I <clears throat> might have been nicer about it if I'd have understood that. Maybe yeah. he shouldn't have directed it. <clears throat> So I'll take yeah. it back. He was great. Yeah, yeah. In a way, we find in the Shining House, the Overlook Hotel, that the uh, the key is actually to you know dance with uh, Kira or Karen, and that is James Halliday's greatest regret was not asking her to dance. Um, creepy, that a bit creepy, and it's in it's in the uh, it's famously it's in the ballroom. It's in the ballroom of the Shining House, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, where like. Keeping you up, Mr. Tarrance. You know, that whole yeah, lovely, yeah, yeah. lovely stuff that you get in The Shining. What do you mean not creepy, Emma? It's not creepy that because your biggest regret was not dancing with some woman, you've put an Avatar version of her in a dance hall for in a fore- all eternity. But it's not actually yeah. her. With zombies. zombies. Yeah. It's not actually her. So, you oh, know. Well, enough. come on, we're going on to the Black Mirror discussion now, aren't we? Right, but anyway... Um, I thought you just meant that, you know, the key was asking Kira to dance, not that... She yeah. was dancing with zombies for the rest of her avatar life. Oh, that's what she is doing. Well, but, yes. Uh, so Artemis dances uh, with uh, Kira and the second key appears. Um, so now they all have more points, loads more points. And they uh, are on the, the last step before getting to the actual Easter egg. Can I just add one more thing? So like yep. the, the Shining making it into this film, yep. um, that amazed me. Uh, yeah. There are a couple of other things that amaze me. One, which I won't talk about because we're, I'm sure we'll get onto it in the third act. But there's one where uh, when uh, Artemis is disguised as uh, what's his face from Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, Goro. Goro, yeah. So she drags him away, and well, that then, was that was lovely. <clears throat> yeah, so that that's hilarious. She does the, she does the. the Alien chest bursting thing. Oh my god! Like, what the hell? So good. It's a twelve. It, it, I was sitting there loving that. I was she, just like, fair, I, just, I can't. Have been in there. I just can't believe that they they got that passed as a as a twelve. A twelve A, yeah. So they get the second key. Then the rest of the clan get the second key. They follow the same steps. Get the key. So that's why now we sort of understand. That's why they're called the high five because they've got the highest points. Yep. At the same time, the evil IOI organisation is shadowing their every move and trying to bring down Wade Watts in the real world. Um, you know, Ben Mendelssohn's character is essentially up for killing him. Let's just say that. <laughs> in he's, a way. He's, he's very, Sorrento, is it? Sorrento, he's very up for killing him. Um, and Sorrento was originally the sort of coffee guy for James Halliday. So there's a bit of, you know, like hatred in there, like never being appreciated by... Halliday, who doesn't seem to be a people person, to be honest with you. The IOI have also now got two keys and are trying to take out Wade in the real world. Uh, they essentially blow up the stacks, which is where he lives, the sort of slum area which he lives, killing his auntie, um, you know, and his aunt, her, his auntie's weird boyfriend. Finchy! Is it Finchy, is it? Yeah. Finchy! Yeah, Finchy from the office. Bloody good rep. Oh, bloody good rep. <laughs> so Ben Mendelssohn believes that he has killed wade uh, and therefore stopped parsifal from getting the final key the ioi located on planet doom and figure out that to that you have to play an atari game which was what halliday first started playing games on and there's loads of atari games and this had, is much much closer to the yeah, feel of the book yeah i loved this part of it so a big deal that's made in the sort of 
Oasis uh, universe is the idea of artifacts and the idea that certain artifacts have certain special properties. And the only way to get these artifacts is by spending all of your digital coin. They give you a um, a level up at times. You know, they give you an advantage to fix certain situations, to kill loads of people, to take all people's stuff. And, and that is the thing. If you die in the Oasis, you lose all of the all of your gear which is a terrifying thought as a gamer. Yeah. Um, God, well, I just as a normal person to uh, lose all your gear. I'm more concerned as a gamer oh, losing all my shit. Enough, yeah. um, so these artifacts... He's got more virtual stuff than he does real stuff. That is, that true. is true. That is actually true. Um, so the idea of losing all your stuff is such a big deal. And these artifacts allow you to get, you know, an advantage over your opponents. Uh, there's one used brilliantly... Uh, sort of in between the second and third key, which is the Zemeckis cube. Yeah. Oh my god, sweet. that was sweet. Yeah, like that so, was awesome, yeah. in the Oasis, uh, Parsifal and Artemis are attacked, and they're done for. But you know, Parsifal, with all the coin he's been getting because of getting all these keys, is able to purchase certain artifacts. He purchased the Zemeckis cube, and when he first bought it, I was like what's that going to do? And even though I was thinking, sitting there going, Aww. I was sitting there thinking like, yeah, maybe something to do with time. And I forgot he had it and he threw it out there and it reverses time for 60 <laughs> seconds. I was just like, that is just, that it's is genius. genius. Well, the, some the, of those little weapons it's are great. Probably worth, it's probably worth pointing out that Zemeckis is the director of Back to the Future. Yes, well, I was hoping that people would what... know that. So the use of artifacts is is crucial to the third and final act and and is very well used throughout the film as a general gaming mechanism like you do spend so many tar- so many you know team deathmatch whatever grinding to get a benefit grinding to get new gear and yeah. this hunt for new gear defines everybody in the in the oasis and keeping hold of your gear which is quite poignant in the third act when you see so many people risking their lives and their gear uh, for what they believe in. So the IOI have the Orb of Ossivox, or whatever, something pronounced like that, and basically that creates <laughs> a force field around the game that they're playing to try and win the third and final key and finally get that Easter egg. Now, <clears throat> this is quite cool, because it's a cool use of the artifact, and then basically Wade summons the whole of the Oasis to descend upon Planet Doom, and try and defeat Sorrento and the IOI and then help him get the third and final key to get the Easter egg. And this is where Reference Gate goes into Overload. Uh, it was just amazing to see all of these references. So before we finish our take on the film and finish this third and final lap, because it's going to give you guys too many clues about what's going to happen in the next section, what I like to call Reference Roulette. guys we're not going to go for a generic quiz this time where i just you know try and make stuff up and try and fool you what we're going to do this time is because this film is blessed with so many references we are going to play reference roulette the very rules are very simple we are going to go around from the left of my position you're going to go round in turn you're going to say a reference that you believe to be in the film if it's correct i will say correct and you move on to the next person the order is Emma, Gaz, John. Wait, okay. Can, can it also be one we've already mentioned? It could be one you've already mentioned. Oh. Any reference in the film of Ready Player One. Not the book, the film. It's knockout. It's a knockout. So if you say something wrong, you are out. 
Okay. I'd like to say that Gaz has won the most quizzes out of uh, the rest of you I've at this point. I've been one. John two. has felt robbed on several occasions. Oh, correct in two of them. Yeah. So uh, I just want to say best of luck to all of you. I'm going to play, now I'm going to play what I like to call Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Music? Because I find it really adds to the drama of all yeah, these times. Good, yeah. yeah. Let's begin. Reference roulette. Emma. The DeLorean from Back to the Future. Correct. <laughs> Gareth. Uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with my personal favourite, Goldeneye, which is uh, Halliday's favourite video game. John. Chun-Li, Street Fighter. Nice. Emma. Um, oh, I forgot the fucking film. The alien out of the chest from Alien. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Lovely. Gaz. Uh, I'm going to say when the Stormtroopers arrive, Star Wars. Yep. Yeah. Correct. John. Uh, Nathan Drake. Correct. Emma. Uh, King Kong. Correct. King Kong. Gaz. Um, let's say Jurassic Park. Correct. We'll assume the T Rex is Jurassic. Park. Rexy, I assume it's Rexy as well. I'll give you that. Correct. John. Uh, the eighteen van out of the eighteen. Correct. Emma. Oh fuck. Um. No time to think. Drink while you think. Da 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 da. I'll, gi- I'm done. I'll give you a five I'm second countdown. Done. Five, four, three, that robot in the last two, battle. one. <laughs> Correct, Gareth. <laughs> that is a mean uh, Overwatch is, is in it. Correct, John. Um, let's go with Chucky. Correct. Delicious reference. Yeah. Emma. I'm pretty sure that um, the avatar of James Halliday is pretty much a call out to Gandalf from The Lord of the Rings, isn't it? No. Yeah, go for it. No. No. What do you mean? Not is giving you that. Man? Down, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not giving you that. That is mental. Gaz, there's only two of you left. It's on you, Gaz. It's a crappy wizard. Uh, Ferris Bueller. Correct. John. Uh, holy hand grenade from Monty Python. Correct. Gaz. Oh, good shout. Um, Michael Jackson's in it. Correct. John. <laughs> <laughs> what? Just Michael Jackson's in it. Uh, Goro from Combat. <laughs> Correct, Gaz. Oh, the Breakfast Club in the same. Correct, scene as John. Yeah, he's right. Uh, well, no one said Lord of the Rings yet, so I'm going to say Lord of the Rings. Correct, oh, Gaz. Did. No, you didn't. Mm. Shit, I'm in trouble here. Um, adventure, adventure. Correct, John. Um, I think Ryu's in it as well. Correct, Gaz. <sighs> Fuck. Um, Pitfall. I'm. <laughs> Can you please stop getting these? Yep, correct, it's there, I remember. John? The Shining. <laughs> correct. Gaz? <laughs> um, uh, Centipede? Correct, John? Uh, All Gaz has got is Atari games, just keep going. You'll break him down in a minute. Uh, Kit from Knight Rider. Yeah. Yes, correct. Oh, Terminator, uh, when he does the th- thumb... Oh, wait! Oh, yeah, when he does the thumb up. Correct. Terminator 2, Judgment Day, correct. That's a good one. Uh, the Iron Giant. Correct. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> that was... Oh, I can't believe... <laughs> Alright, um... Oh, shit. Um... Uh, I, I'm really struggling. Five. Oh, Mario Kart. Mario Kart. She says Mario Kart. Yeah, I think she does it. She does. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Artemis's bikes from Akira. Correct. Oh, Akira. I love that. Gaz, your turn. Um, oh, my God. I Five. Um... Four. 
Three. Halo. Halo's in it. Correct. Halo's John. Uh, is a mention of the Millennium Falcon. Correct. Gaz. Um, are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in it? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> John. Saturday Night Fever, the little dance they do in the middle of the... Correct. Gaz. Um, Five. Four. Three. Two. <laughs> one. <laughs> John is the champion of... And that was Reference Roulette. So uh, the beauty of doing that Reference Roulette just then is I didn't want to, get to have too many of you guys knowing the references and discussing them before we played the game. Um, that final battle, there are a ton of references. Guys, what did you think about the Oasis and everyone willing to step up and sacrifice all their gear which we mentioned to them is all very important and all their coin to try and stop Sorrento and IOI and aid Parsifal in this final battle what did you guys think about it yes it's 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 cool that obviously it shows the stakes I suppose um of the film or, or of the, the the world that they're living in it's like you know this is this is people are actually having to sacrifice something to fight for what they believe in and Yes, it's virtual, and um, that might sound sound silly to some people that it's such a big deal, but it's treated as if it would, um, as if you treat like people literally giving up their lives to fight for something, isn't it? Like, yeah, um, and I think it, it was a, there was a lot of stakes involved. Em, how does it differ in the books? Well, I was going to say, I wonder if that is where the book has more impact because you talk about it not really having the same stakes as real world, but in the books it does because without the Oasis, kids in poverty don't get education or people can't earn money through jobs. Yeah. Um, are the, the, the final battle is really similar, really similar uh, to a certain extent. There are a couple of different things. So one of the major differences is that Ogden Morrow in the books has a much, much stronger uh, part. So just before the gathering of the final key, he rescues the high five. Um, I won't spoiler it any more than that. Um, and basically takes them off to safety so that they can complete the final challenge together. Yeah. And at this point, um, nobody but Wade and Helen or H have met face to face. Yeah. And that's so, the first time they really become a team. Yeah. And um but other than that, a lot of it's really similar. So uh, uh Parzival has his extra life quarter. That yep. that happens, that whole scene happens. Love that. And it is fantastic. It's really well done on the screen. Yeah, that is good. That is the cool. only other difference is that it takes three of them to open the gate with three keys. Oh, okay. Nice, that makes sense as well. Um, and actually I think that's the use of friendship and all that. That would sort have been stuff. great, but I actually thought the ending of the film was brilliant. Yeah, I really liked the way that um, you know, just the way that the battle was going on. So you've got this like reference porn that we were just talking about, and then you've also got <laughs> it, is, it is like reference porn. I mean, can I just say now, John, you Off. mentioned it in reference roulette, but the use of Chucky. Oh my yeah. god, that was fantastic. <laughs> I have oh, yeah. to say, I grew up having nightmares about that. Saw so it at a very young age wrong of my parents to let me do such a thing and well, wow if that was if that thing was flying at me in a battle i just i don't know what i'd, I'd just give stuff. up i'd just but, give up yeah so th this is what i was talking about earlier that uh that gareth also referenced is the f-bomb and yeah. it's, it's it's fucking chucky it's fucking chucky yeah <laughs> is that where it comes in yes. i didn't even know this yeah. and it's absolutely brilliant i couldn't get I over turned, how good I it was i turned to michelle and was like just said fucking chucky there 
Yeah, well, I would be saying that. I wouldn't care about the rating of the film, to be honest with you. That's genius, though. Yeah, and the use of the cataclysm bomb to wipe everyone out, and as you referenced there, um, the fact that um, the, because Wade had mentioned that the cure is only referenced once in all of like, Halliday's memories, that he gets the one-up life. I've got to say, there's there's something at the end that really annoyed me, and it was the fact that um, Parsifal... Possible. Why was he obsessed with moving in slow motion to grab keys? And oh my grab word! <laughs> it was annoying. In. I was like, he he was like moving his hand really slowly to get the key, and then the the van would get bumped, so he'd like oh, fall over. <laughs> then he'd get up again and move his hand really slowly to get the key. Yeah, like, honestly, mate, grab it quickly. You can clearly me. see that was winding me up. Like, I, yeah. I almost couldn't watch it. Like, I don't know if it's like an OCD thing or whatever, but it's just like, can you just put it in the the hole, please. But, oh, God, that's not the first time that John's been told that. Jesus. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, in very slow motion. Oh, my God. Annoyingly, he grabs the keys after he figures out that the way to get the third and final key <laughs> is to get the first, what is believed to be the first ever Easter egg in a game, which was on the Atari game, Adventure, mm. which was, it's not about winning the game. It's about finding the invisible little dot, taking it through to the room and revealing the creator's name, mm. um, which was believed to be the first Easter egg ever. That is a lovely little <clears throat> tie up for the whole story, in my opinion. I yeah. love the way that was used. That's really cool. That oh, was yeah. a brilliant use of narrative to sort of tie in the whole Easter egg theme and take it back to the games that Halliday was playing as a kid. And the fascination that he had with games and that culture then. That was great. Mm. Um, and the the reveal of Halliday also getting him to try and sign a contract. And he refuses to do so because Halliday didn't really agree in rules. Didn't really agree in that sort of thing. So that was all great. I really like the ending of the film in terms of that payoff. Um, I dislike the ending of the film where there's like a massive crowd outside and the fucking police turn up last Wee. minute and arrest Sorrento and it just... hey, what's going on over here? The police? Yeah. Oh, has who? Something bad has happened. Yeah, something bad's been happening. <laughs> three weeks ago. Over three fucking weeks, where have mate. You been? Come on. I mean, I felt that, that was a bit. That was a bit like fanfare, was it? It was literally fanfare at the end. I was like, what is going on here? But then you get like this mob. Yeah. The, they turn up and they're like, we know what you've done here. Yeah. But then, like, they're acting as if he's applied for, like, I don't know, planning permission to build something. Yeah. Rather than he blew up a building and killed loads of people. Like, yeah. why are they not attacking him? Yeah. And they, they killed they killed <clears throat> friends and all that sort of stuff. Like, Sorrento's. Oh, we know what you did here. Yeah. You rascal. You, you rascal. You fucking oh, rascal killing families yeah. that live in fucking stacks. You yeah. motherfucker. Get oh, out of yeah, here. I've got one gun. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, that annoyed me. So that annoyed me. The ending in the book is a bit more satisfying in that they're <laughs> all uh, they're all hidden away in the safety of Ogden Morrow's mansion. And um, yeah, I like that win, actually. It, actually, it really works. And I, I actually, for me, the, the thing that really irritated me about the end, I, I thought it was nice and it was kind of a nice roundup. Um, but was that Hulk tomorrow just turned up and kind of tried to explain his whole part in this thing, which yeah. was nothing in the film, yeah. out of nowhere, to give some kind of homage to his role in the book. Yeah, and well, I felt like you just just don't fucking bother me. And I think the point of the point of going on this journey about Halliday's uh, regrets is that they actually find out, and they even say it overtly in the film, but um, that they find out that it's not actually Halliday's regrets of like not getting with Kira and not like you know having a relationship it's actually his biggest regret is axing out his closest friend yep. Ogden Morrow his only yeah. friend 
his only, his only friend. friend. And that is actually the story. And, and that sort of ties into the whole clan theory thing and the whole clan system that they've got here about how friendship and coming together to solve this massive riddle is, is very important. Um, Sweet, isn't it? But yeah, it's very lovely. And they decide to shut off the Oasis on Tuesdays and Thursdays, was it? Yeah. Surely there'd be uproar about that. They would, but it's a good idea though, isn't it? But can you imagine, like... If, if someone turned off Fortnite on a Tuesday or Thursday, at this point... It's not I'd, even that, though. Imagine, I'd be imagine, imagine if someone went, right, uh, we're deactivating all PS4s, so you can't use them on a Tuesday or a Thursday. Don't do that to me, mate. You'd, be, you'd go off on one. I would lose Who it. are these new owners? Obviously, the point they're trying to make is that you also need to live your life outside 100%. of the Oasis, which is very important, yep, which is you fine. Need, yeah. You need to have some time for kissing... Kissy kissy. I think it's a good time to bring it round to the traditional blueberry rating scheme. For anyone who's uh, not caught up, that is, we rate every film or every episode of a TV show out of five blueberries. Um, There cannot be a half a blueberry. You know, it's a very strict scale. Um, That means there will be a lot of grouping around certain things, but we're happy with the way the system works and we're never going to change it. We might change it in the future. So, uh, Gaz, coming to you first, how many blueberries for Ready Player One? I'm going to give it three blueberries. Can I can I explain why? People who insist on being called the like fullest version of their name, like Jonathan or Christopher or Samantha, annoy me. And that's why it's three blueberries. Fair shout, mate. Correct. Okay, right. All right. Well, I was expecting something slightly better than that, but... I like it. Uh, okay. Going to... I only had one point to make. Yeah, true. <laughs> right, John? Uh, I'm going to have to agree with the little man. I'm going to go three out of uh, of five. When I when I came out uh, of the cinema, right, not sexually, um, but uh, he hasn't done that yet. <laughs> uh, when I came out of the cinema, I kind of uh, I thought it was a four out of five, and then there, were, there was quite a lot of things that I started thinking about. Um, and again, to reference a point I made right at the beginning of this podcast, oh. there's just something not magical about this film. And I feel like uh, it, it had enough about it in terms of the licenses, the story, uh, the budget, the directors and the actors. There's enough about it for this to be like a classic and it isn't. Um, so I, I would say three out of five is probably a rounded out. If uh, if we weren't using a blueberry system, yeah, might be three and a half out of five. Okay, M coming to you next. Um, I'm rounding down right. uh, because of my experience of the book um standalone not a bad film but in comparison to the novel and my expectations of it i'm giving it a two out of five that's mental i'm going to give it the highest rate in the day four out of five Fuck off. that is madness that is madness no, <laughs> no, no no full stop four out of five blueberries good film a very fun time had by me and the little 11-year-old Chinese guy in uh, Gaz's uh, theatre. So. I think he would give it a six out of five. Do you reckon? Yeah, he would give it a six count. out of five. But, yeah, not in English. That's been Ready Player One. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please uh, subscribe to us. I mean, uh, we're on so many different platforms now. We're too on many. Too many, if anything. Too much, too much choice. We're on iTunes. We're on the. Uh, we're on any sort of podcasting app. We're also now on Spotify, so you can find us really? on there. Very good. Yeah. Oh, bullshit! I've gone and sorted that out for little us. Little Easter I? egg. Little Easter egg for everyone there. So we're also on Spotify, so you can also find us on there. If you subscribe, it's very easy. Every time we release an episode, which I'd say is probably at least one per week, uh, they will download automatically into your podcast. And if you know you want to listen to it, you can. If you don't, 
just get rid of it. Who cares? Um, but yeah, it's just an easy way. You don't have to keep like checking our site and doing all that stuff. Um, you can also go on our site, www.fancritical.com. Uh, and we're on Twitter as fan, at fancriticalpod and Instagram as fan underscore critical. So yeah, thanks to everyone for listening today. I think uh, Ready Player One is a great film to go and see in the cinema as an experience and uh, as something to you know see if you're a gamer or anyone who likes like that sort of pop culture, 80s sort of nostalgia Go check it out for sure because yeah. you will have a great time in the cinema. See it on a big screen. Um, but I'd like to say thanks to uh, Emma. Thanks. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to John. Thank you, mate. No worries. And over there in Australia with the poor bandwidth, Gareth. Bye. 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 Bye.